What's up, Nana Nation and lovers of the Toronto Maple Leafs? This is Anthony El Jefe, and I'm joined with my bro from Sportsville, Bob Walker. Bob, what's up, baby? How's it going, buddy? I got to be honest with you. Uh, this was going to be a much different episode and uh, feel to it until last night's game. And we'll obviously get into it, but uh, a lot more positive today. So excited to be here. My man, we are those uh, who don't know. Uh, we're recording like really randomly in the middle of the day on a Tuesday. Uh, my family is gone for the evening. They've gone up north to go visit some family. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, while the wife and kids are away, the podcaster will play. Uh, as every every single Leaf edition, uh, we we give a sacrifice to our Mexican lord, Austin Matthews, uh, with a little bit of tequila. In the front. I, yeah, I appreciate we, you I, say we. Yeah, we, uh, as in me, but uh, we're going to crack uh, this tequila I actually had for a little while. Grand Oridan. Uh, this is um, Resposado tequila. Here we go. Grand Oridan. Okay, folks, he's pouring it about three quarters full. It's a nice pour. It's a decent pour. Of course, long-time listeners on the podcast will know that Ba and I met in Mexico and really forged our relationship there uh, many moons ago now, Mr. Ba. Yeah, yeah, fun little trivia stat for anybody doing a NA30 date night. Just a little <laughs> Easter egg. <laughs> Woo! Let's go! <laughs> let's go. There we go. Now he's fired up, folks. <sighs> yeah, let's fucking do this! Let's do it. So, my man, the Toronto Maple Leafs going into November. How are we feeling? All right, so October, I think the season kind of started a little, a little shaky. Yep. Very relative newish team you know some big free agent signings including the guy who signed for the most money in the offseason um i think early on we were we saw this leaf team and we talked about it kind of just do a couple like little things okay okay a little bit different dna is a little different and then the calendar turned over and the trauma police forgot how to play hockey and not i don't, I don't even think that it's they forgot to play hockey i think it's more they were just like, okay, we're uh, we're pretty decent. We can make this work. And every other team was like, bro, you're not that good. Sit down. It's it's really frustrating at times. And and you say new team, but really the same old October. Because any Leaf fan knows, just for years now, we get off to a rough start. And like usual, November, and hopefully we see it start with yesterday's game. Again, we'll get into later. But they start to dominate in November, December, and they're rolling, and we start feeling good around Christmas time. So the same old shit's happening. But there were a little, a few bright spots, but a lot to worry about in October, honestly. I was not feeling that great. And yeah, I mean, we're a Leaf podcast, so I got to say we're probably pessimists more than optimists for the most part, even though we try to be. But <clears throat> besides Matthews, absolute stud. If this guy wins the cup, he's going down as the greatest Leaf of all time. Like, it's just incredible what he does. Hands down. Yeah. And and Willie, unbelievable start to the season. Willie's looking like he deserves every penny he's going to get and more. And he's he's just water off a duck's back. Nothing gets to that guy. And then Joseph Wall, another story again later we'll get into. Amazing. But besides those few bright spots, no production from the bottom fucking six. Like, none. Now, Nyes has stepped up recently, and, and he looked well in parts of October. He's a big boy. He looked great at the game I went to, big body. Um, but for the most part, nobody else really contributing. The guys we bring in to do 
physical, like the snot hockey tree living's talking about. They're not doing that. And it seems like almost Ryan Reeves, who fought in the very first game, was almost told to simmer down. Like you got to calm down. And and this and what this is all getting to, and what I wanted to say at the beginning, is there is a culture in the Maple Leaf organization that I just do not agree with. <clears throat> Excuse me. I yeah. just don't agree with this softness that over has overtaken this team based on the Pat Quinn and the other childhood teams that I rooted for. And going all the way up to the Colton Orr, Fraser McLaren, Mike Brown era, we might've been shit, but we were tough. You didn't like push us around. And it's just a, it's a culture thing with this team. I, I couldn't agree more. And cultures like I, I want to put a pin in culture because I, I just want to go over some of the games and just like if you remember anything that pops into your mind about the game, and I want to like, kind of go up to up to like the streak, the uh, losing streak, and then up to the last night's game. But I want to not start at the beginning of the season, but start on October 21st, Hockey Night in Canada, 4-3 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. This was a big game. I felt for the I felt for the Leafs because this was a guarantee. Last year wasn't a fluke win. Yes, they had they had they started the season beating Montreal, beating um, uh, Minnesota, but then losing to Chicago, which already is like WTF. Losing to Florida, embarrassing actually, and then playing that Tampa game, big win in Tampa. Then they go on a bit of a roll. They. Win in, win in Washington, win in Dallas, both convincing 4-1 wins. A overtime loss in Nashville, which is the beginning of the role. Do you have anything to talk about with the Tampa game? I just felt it was like a very good game for them to win and a, hey, last year wasn't a fuke kind of win. I mean, of course it was. It's an incredible game. It, it was definitely one of those first games, besides maybe the Montreal season opener, that Leaf fans are circling on the calendar. Like, you're, you're exactly right. Not only has a rivalry kind of formed with Tampa Bay in the best way that rivalry formed versus playoff matchup in constant, like, back-to-back years, and you just kind of build this natural rivalry hatred for each other. They're a dirty fucking team. I'll say that out of the way. Kucherov's one of the dirtiest fucking players in the league. I don't give a fuck if anybody disagrees with that. But He's just a crazy son of a bitch. Yeah. You know what? We beat them. But, you know, Matthew, no, was Matthew Nice taken out in the Tampa series or Florida series? Uh, it, no, was it, was, it was Bennett. Florida. It was Bennett. Yeah. yeah. Florida series, but but yeah. Tampa. So it's so just a lot of stuff happens. Dirty players. You can't stand like Corey Perry, all these guys. <clears throat> Injuries that have happened in the past. We're still thinking, I mean, really about the Tavares injury. And then guys like Sergachev who always come out and say shit. And yeah, it's kind of funny if they're on your team. I'm not just like, you know, it's obviously biased because it's against the Leafs. But they talk shit and... We showed them last year. We finally beat them. We got that monkey off our back. We're going on to the second round. We start dreaming big. You can tell like the par flags are coming out way more, just like we always thought it would. And it came crashing down. Like Florida Panthers, as much as I blame the refs and I make all these excuses, they dominated us. They deserved to beat us in that playoff round. They were the better team, just hands down. So we got to not only prove to Tampa Bay why we beat them, we're proving to ourselves. And it was a big comeback. Tavares scores the overtime winner, the captain. I mean, the guys are rolling. They've, yeah, Vasilevsky's out, but the young goaltender was pretty hot at that point. Like he he had gone uh, back-to-back wins and stuff like that. So massive win. Mass- and, and just another, just more Matthews, uh, Willie, these guys in the regular season, stepping up in the big regular season games when we need to. 100%. Out, out of that Tampa game, which I felt was like a turning point for the, 
group, like the whole team, back-to-back wins, 4-1 wins in Washington and Dallas. Big wins, I'd say, because, I mean, Washington's kind of mid, but Dallas, for sure, should be a contender coming out. Um, and then you have the overtime loss in Nashville. Nashville's supposed to be shit. They have probably the best goaltender in the league right now in Soros, so I get it. I'll take a point out of there. But then here's where like the, the shit begins, right? So that end of, um, end of the road trip, overtime loss, whatever. It is what it is. Then an embarrassing 4-1 loss to Los Angeles. Now, Los Angeles is a good team. They are a good can, team. And we can talk about that, too. But 4-1, not good. And, you know, I, I all the talk in Toronto media was so frustrating. Oh, it's a scheduled loss. Uh, it's first game back after a home trip, a uh, road trip. But you remember what it's like to be, like, 25 and fucking invincible? You don't. Don't, don't start. Scheduled loss, my ass. That's a good team. You got your ass whooped by a team that came to play. And if you, you know, following that, you have the loss to Boston, overtime loss in Boston. Of course, the Lily Grin injury that we're probably going to talk about happens in that game. Um, you get one point out of a very good Boston team that is still not suffered a regular season loss. Then you have the loss of Buffalo that just happened on Saturday. Uh, 6-4 embarrassment, home ice. They're the team coming back from uh, a doubleheader. At the end of a doubleheader, you're playing their backup goalie, and you got smoked by this team. Uh, that leads us to last night's game against Tampa, another big win, where they came back from a 4-1 deficit. That's what you want to see. All big guns blazing, no secondary scoring. But I, I think I might be okay with it right now. Um, I'm sure you want to see it. But I think I might be okay with no secondary secondary scoring. But Only because the primary is overcompensating. But I, I I get what you're saying. It's early in the season. You're right. This is not like hands on deck situation yet. I'm just we're we're supposed to be a better team, a grittier team, and they weren't showing that for a handful of games. But there have been some positives. So yeah, going back quickly, um, the Predator game we should have won. I just put plain as you're right about Soros. No denying that. But that was a game that we should have won, and I had that. Kings, Kings are a good team, and I can see us, yeah, taking that loss there. At the same time, Pam Talbot's in fucking net. And not only that, typical Leaf game where we have seen it for a decade plus now, just so slow and lackadaisical coming out in the first period and just not giving a shit. I don't know what it is about this Leaf team, credit to them in a way, but they love nothing more than coming back from behind. Like, they have to go down to... Oh, I'm so sorry, dude. Um, give me one quick sec. I yeah. just need to double, sh- double check. I shut the door upstairs. One sec. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anthony ran away. Can't hear this. We can all talk shit about El Jefe. Look at those, look at those bobbleheads behind. Yeah, Carlton the Bear's pretty cool, but the turtle? What are those other animals? Well, oh, the raptor, that's fine. I don't know. What, Albany River Rat? What is that? Okay, all systems good. I don't know what happened there. I heard my Alexa go, I heard my Alexa go off, and the dog took off, and I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure I closed the front door. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm so sorry to cut you off. You were mid-rant. Yeah, I don't... Uh... LA being a good team. Ta- uh, Talbot's in that. We can't record, or we can't rewind. No, <laughs> it's just all going to be the episode. <laughs> we'll edit this part out. Okay. Um, okay, so I'll, I'm just going to edit up to this part, and I'll just start with Talbot. You got it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I don't care what anybody says. Like, they have Talbot and Nett. Yeah, they're the better team, but Talbot and Nett, and then typical Leaf, just like we always see, they come out in the first period, just no life in them. They cannot wait to be down a goal or two and then fight from behind because that is what this Leaf team is all about. They love coming back from behind, and credit to them, it makes for exciting hockey, but it is so frustrating for the last decade or however long that we see this team come out of the gate when you're supposed to be fired up. Like you just said previously, you're 25, you're young, you should be fired up. Like you're listening to that national anthem, you're like buzzing, you're in warm-up, hair flowing. Like you should be ready to go off the bat. This is your job. And it's so frustrating when they're not. So that LA game, fine, we can say that's a loss. But again, they should have won that. And it's just like not, not a great start, especially coming off an overtime loss after Nashville where it's like, okay, we were this close, but maybe we can blame it on the goaltending, just an off night, but we can come right back. And they didn't, so that's frustrating. Moving on, after the Kings, yeah, the Bruins game. Of course, the main talking point is the Marshawn hit. And to be honest, it is the main talking point for me because I was disgusted with this team after that hit. And it, I was watching the game with my brother, and it honestly ruined the night for us. Not ruined the night where we're like, miserable and being assholes to other people but just took all the energy out of the entire house just nobody we didn't even really want to watch the game anymore we're just like okay what what should we do maybe throw something on because fine i agree marshawn shouldn't get suspended for the play i'm not gonna just freak out and be a fan. it should have been a penalty at the very least it's a penalty and marshawn's history sorry to say makes it seem more than not that it's intentional you do not get the benefit of the doubt as brad marshawn for nobody to touch him right away. For nobody to touch him right away. Holy shit. Marner Matthews, fine. They're pussies. Bertuzzi's laughing on the bench. And it's I'm thinking it's, it is more of a sarcastic, like, this fucking idiot. I can't believe what he's saying. And you're kind of laughing off. But just a bad look. Just a bad look with what just happened. Lilligren is being helped off by two trainers. He can barely stand. Yeah, Reeves is, is jawing. But you know what? Reeves jaws before the games. He talked a lot of smack. They're not going to say that. They're not going to do this. You've had one fucking fight. You've been invisible fucking sense. Bertuzzi, the guys that we bring in, they're not fighters. I understand that. But in the past, they fucking jumped people. Bertuzzi on Boston, El Jefe, you cannot tell me if someone in the regular season last year hook out McAvoy or DeBrus that if Bertuzzi was on the ice with Boston, he wouldn't go after them. And this relates all the way back to this fucking culture I'm talking about because the soft players are at the top who are leaders. They're soft physically and it just trickles down because players who are tough and come here become fucking soft and then what's even more frustrating marshawn is out on the ice right afterwards and not only that he's talking to our bench i don't care if he's apologetic he's trying to explain himself or he's chirping like an asshole you do not get to do that last year does everybody remember when matthews got basically taken out by tampa bay it was whatever whatever hit. They went after Riley when the Cernak hit, all this stuff. Every time we go after a player, we're jumped. We are jumped by people unfairly. We're foaming at the mouth wanting penalties because Corey Perry already has his gloves off before our guy looks up, punching him in the face. Nobody does that on our team. Why are we not getting the dirty stuff? Yeah, you can say, okay, I don't condone the dirty stuff, whatever. It's really hot. I don't give a fuck. There is, you, it is war, okay? Yeah, that sounds outrageous to say in the context of real war. Yes, people with common sense, I understand that. But you are still battling against other grown men every night for a chance to win something. There is something on the line. It is just a, a mentality 
that they do not have. I love these guys. Like I said, Matthew's going to go down probably as the greatest league. If he ever wins the cup, it's bonafide for sure certified. And all these guys, I, I want Willie to stay. Marner can kind of fuck off gritting at his wedding. He's pissing me off, but he's still producing. I've always loved Captain Mo. Tavares is a hometown guy. He's a quiet captain, but he's from Oakville. But it is a, a mentality where you want blood if they injure you. And they okay. do not have it. Uh, you know I can what? keep going. I can keep going. I know. We, we got to do two of these a month because there's just too – you're too worked up, my man. You're, you, you know what? This, this isn't no not November for you, man. Like, you are just all over the place making a mess. I'm hitting the top of the table, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I got I to touch base on this hit. I didn't like the hit. Now, I, I didn't see it in real time. I, uh, I only caught the third period of the game. Um, but I'll tell you this. I was driving home. And I was listening to the game on the radio, and Joe Bowen was was the doing his thing. The Bowen. goat, you know, that he listen when if there was a parade for just yeah. Maple Leaf homers, we'd be the front of the line, but Joe Bowen would be ahead of us. Joe Bowen is the greatest homer goat of all time. Put that out there. That yep. being said, Joe Bowen was going through something where his voice was not where it needed to be, mm-hmm. and I get to the car, I I turn on the car, I'm like, oh, the Leaf game, blah, blah. get on five ninety. And uh, Bowen's talking in this voice that isn't his, but he's like, um, you know, the Leafs go down early. Uh, and, you know, you know, Joe Bowen, it's up pace. It's like drunk Irish talking, you know, and he's like, Leafs are, uh, Leafs are down to nothing. And uh, you hate to see what happened with Lilligren, but they answered uh, with two goals to tie the game at two. I'm like, what the fuck? What bizarre old land am I living in right now? Hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, Joe Bowen must be really sick to be. A, really sick to be doing this, but B, he must, like, this game must be a shitter of a game. I get home, I turn the game on, and it's a playoff atmosphere game, game what is six of the season or whatever, it was eight of the season, and I saw the hit, and I didn't like the hit. I thought it, I thought it was a dirty hit. Um, I, I, you know what? It's a can opener, 100%. Uh, it, it's such a bang-bang play that I get it, but you're, you know, you need to have possession of your stick at all times. We all, that is hockey 101. You are responsible, even if if you are if you're in a scrum and uh, against the boards, and someone kicks a puck out, and you step on someone else's blade, and you trip, it's that guy's fault. He gets a penalty. That is a tripping penalty because you need to be in possession of your stick at all times. If someone steps on your stick, it is still your penalty. The point is, Marshawn should have should have been penalized. He should have got at least a fine. Uh, it's a it's a dirty play. The Bertuzzi left on the bench. Listen, I don't even care, to be honest. It, it doesn't even phase me because we all know guys like Brad Marchand. We all know guys like that. We all know these fucking psychopath, short energy guys that have crazy mouths that do dirty shit when you play because that's their competitive edge. Does he have skill? Does he have speed? 100%. He's got a bionic hip. He's awesome. I get it. Bottom line is bottom line. Eye for an eye, pound of flesh for a pound of flesh. I am blown away that there was no retaliation. I don't want to be Tampa Bay. I don't want to be the swarm of Tampa Bay whenever something happens. It just, it's a bad look. I don't like it. It honestly reminds me of the worst type of hockey. All this fucking swarming, hugging, pulling on the jersey. It's bullshit. And I hate it. And I get it that it's not like, it doesn't matter because like playoff hockey is playoff hockey. I don't have to like it. And I choose not to like it because it's I don't 
I want to see guys fly up and down the wing. If there's a big hit, there's a big hit. I want to see dazzling plays. I want to see a fucking mission. I want to see impressive stuff. I don't want to see the same shit I see in beer league. When I when I see that, I it just reminds me of beer league shit. And I just I'm not here for it. That's not why I watch the National Hockey League. So I feel like Marshall should have had something. If not, I mean, I got to imagine there's a receipt in the mail somewhere. Let me just check when they play. They don't play Boston again until December 2nd. So there is about four or five weeks before they play again. I would be pleasantly surprised if somebody didn't try to. I'm not going to say take a run at, but if there's an opportunity for a big hit on Marshawn, if someone doesn't take it, I'll put that out there. They should. Bob, they should. we got to move on, okay? You were, <laughs> you were supposed to record that night. I get this text from you late in the day saying, hey, man, my my mom just won tickets to work. I'm going to the game. I said, brother, fucking go for it, man. Anytime you can go and you don't have to pay for tickets, amen. How was your experience? Yeah, uh, Thank you for that, putting that off to today. It was a great experience for the most part, besides aspects of the game. Uh, bonus for anybody who's a Leaf fan who has to travel for the game. Nothing else, like no big concerts or anything going on. So the train ride was not that bad. I I am not going to drive into Toronto anymore for games. It's always the train. <clears throat> so that was not bad. Get there a bit early. We're going to see warm-ups. The place is kind of buzzing, typical. Pretty good seats. We're in the lower level with all the suits who just sit there drinking their wine. It's fantastic how quiet they are and having their little social gatherings. Um, warm up, the boys look good. They come out, and then there are parts of this game, man, that was so frustrating to watch, and I can only go by the eye test, but Matthews looked amazing, I mean, with the hat trick. Uh, a couple of quick points. That Legacy defenseman, mm-hmm. big kid, and actually doesn't look out of place. I kind of like him. And uh, Same, and he likes to yeah. hit. Yeah, and I, because he's so fast and he actually is productive on the ice or looks it, I really like Gregor, but he is definitely like Mason Raymond, like cannot finish, but he, he, <laughs> makes the play, he makes the play move because he is fast and he looks fast he, out there. And he looks like a big guy too. Like he looks like yeah. a tall, lanky guy. Yeah, I mean, I, there's not much to say. Like I'm, I'm not going to really blame this game at all on Wall, even though it's a high scoring, there were 10 goals scored because it wasn't his fault. He made some huge saves. The the giveaways that this team does in the neutral zone, the sloppiness towards the bench with bench changing and the puck in that area and getting on and off, like, holy fuck, you guys are professionals. You got to figure that shit out. So many giveaways that turn on to two-on-ones or breakaways, and luckily Wall saved most of them. And the most frustrating part is just not being able to keep the momentum of this game because we would score, come back, one down, tie it up, immediately like minutes after buffalo fucking comes down the ice and scores on a bullshit like cage thompson or the jeff skinner shot was actually really nice even though i hate to give that team credit but Alex talk to Alex Tuck had a, had a pair yeah he did too and he had one like right after we had tied it up the building was buzzing and he just completely defeated us uh that levy kid levi whatever his name is the goalie for buffalo he actually looks right. pretty good six ccm pads but i mean as well as the Buffalo Sabres are playing and they might be kind of a wild card, maybe a shoe and playoff team. Although I think they'll fail like Buffalo always does. <laughs> they had, they had 40 like plus shots on us this game and scored six goals. Like just unacceptable right after this Boston game. And I know 40. we're moving on. I won't get into the Boston game again, even though I got more to say, but <laughs> you just, 
everybody, there are some crazy league fans out there that being like, man, they better go into Buffalo and they better knock out Alex Tuck. Or like, they, they're looking for blood from a team that didn't want us doing it. I didn't want that. But you got to come out and, and like some big hits. You got to rub them out along the boards. You got to be like beacon. You just got to come out and being like, to the rest of the NHL, what happened in Boston is not going to happen. And it's just... Buffalo takes the lead. We tie it up, and then they take the lead again constantly. We're just never able to keep the momentum, so the crowd doesn't really get into it. So, yeah, the Leafs end up losing 6-4. Very frustrating game to go to. My boss was at the game, not sitting with him, but he's a Buffalo fan, so the texts were enjoyable all night from him. <laughs> and then he's giving me the pity Then he's giving me the pity text at the end of the fucking night after I stopped responding, where he's just like, Oh man, the refs were shit for both teams. Don't you think? Like you guys played a good. <laughs> oh, shut up! I don't want to hear this from you right now. Like, like, I'm probably about Monday. Enjoy. Coming yeah, Monday. yeah. Okay, big question, boss. Big question. Okay. Did you throw your hat on the ice, or was that your bra that you threw onto the ice? It was the bra. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even. I didn't even see the bra. Honestly, my brother showed me the photo the other day, and that woman. That's a very large bra. So, yeah. <laughs> kudos to her. And then, <laughs> big fan, big fan. Wait, so we didn't throw our hats, even though the drunk guys beside us were begging us to throw our hats, and we didn't. But, funny story, I wasn't even going to tell you, you brought up the hat. It's three of us were sitting there, me and my two buddies, my brother and our buddy. And people are starting to slowly roll. Someone throws their hat, it's not strong enough to reach, so it hits right in front of us. <laughs> my buddy, my buddy picks up. That's maybe one of the worst, like, and I know people can't see us because it's all audio, but like those, you know, those ultimate frisbee side tosses yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah. I don't know why you would toss like that to try and get it on the ice. You would try to throw it up, I would think. Anyways, right. he does that, bro. He beamed the guy in the first row <laughs> right behind him. He bent so hard. Guy gets up holding his head. He's looking around. I couldn't even hold it. I'm laughing the entire time. Luckily, the hat did get on the ice for people wanting a resolution to the story. But yeah, I did not throw the hat. All right, the the Buffalo loss was a uh, was a tough one. I think what gets me the most on it is there's a lot of a lot of mess made in the media about post Boston, Tree Living, uh, and the coaching staff having a big meeting with the players, talking about you know playing for each other and all that stuff, and then they come out and they fucking shit their pants against the Buffalo Sabers, uh, a 500 team. You know, I think Buffalo is like I think they're they're gonna beat out some of the other bottom dwellers. They're gonna be mid and kind of good. And Tage Thompson is an animal. And he's massive. He, he's he massive. Is, he yeah, he's huge. I remember watching him at the outdoor game last year, the Buffalo home game in Hamilton against Toronto. Mm. And I I remember seeing him and being like, man, he makes Austin Matthews look small. Austin Matthews is six four and has a halo glowing above his head. This doesn't make any sense at all. Tage Thompson is the real deal. Plus, silky mitts, tons of range. This guy is, I mean, he, I don't know if he'll ever put up Austin Matthews type numbers, but he, you know, he's part of this, these new American kids that are coming up and they are just big. They can play all types of style of hockey. I am petrified of all, like, I, I have like a little thing for, um, I have a little, I don't know how to phrase this correctly, but. I have this little thing for Americans. It seems like uh, the Leafs keep piling Americans onto their team because I feel like Americans can handle the spotlight in Toronto better than Canadians can, Canadian hockey players can. And I think that's why... That's quite a take that I maybe agree with. Yeah, because 
you look, you see Austin Matthews, right? He fucking cool as a cucumber. He fucking gives attitude to fucking dick face Steve uh, Simmons. Uh, and you see him have this cool confidence that guys like Mitch Marner just don't have. Mitch Marner always looks like the kid that stole your pencil in elementary school and wouldn't tell you about it. He would just lie right to your face. Like Mitch Marner to me, I feel like this guy has no backbone. I think Austin Matthews, and we see him like he goes into these beast mode um, shifts on, on the ice where he's commanding the puck from the other team and he's doing it. And I think that is like a certain American DNA. So when I see players like him, you know, like other American players on the team, even uh, Joe Wall, who is like Carlo Colavacchio came out a, a couple weeks ago. I was like, this guy's going to win a Vesna one day. Um, you know, like that is like, you know, he's cool and collected. You never see him get too high. Like there are a handful of Americans on the team that um, Nick Robinson's and Robertson's another one of them. Matt Nye's like, there's some guys on this team that have that like cool American vibe that I think bodes well in Toronto what I love to see a team of all Toronto-based guys, GTA guys, playing for the Maple Leafs, 100%. Would they all fucking crack under the pressure a lot like Mitch Runner does? Maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. JTO, I love I love John Tavares. But do you see him breaking a stick on the bench? Do you see him, like, um, freaking out on the bench? No, he's always zero emotion. I'm the constant professional. Great work ethic. Never takes a shift off. I love John Tavares' game, but he's not an emotional guy. And I think the, the, the what I'm getting at is I think that players meeting after the Bo- uh, Boston game, I think it was all about bring some fucking emotion to the game. I think Living came down and said, what the fuck? You, like, I'm paying you five and a half, Bertuzzi. You need to show some emotion other than fucking giggling on the bench. You know, like, I think that's what it was all about because the Maple Leafs, the Kyle Dubas Maple Leafs were all analytics we're going to make this work. We're going to be like assassins. And that didn't work because when you needed the emotion, when you needed the adrenaline, it wasn't there. This year, I think Trilliving is really trying to inject that give a fuck mentality to this team. Now, it, it wasn't in Buffalo. It was at 100% in Tampa, though. I mean, the game started like shit, but it finished yeah, really yeah. strong. Yeah, great, great transition. And, and we should honestly move on to something positive, too. Like, kudos to the Leafs last night and why I'm feeling a lot better today. And it was a great day at work talking with the boys about the Leafs because you're right. That first period, oh, fucking brutal. I actually turned off the game at that point. I really did when they were down. And I'm just like, I, I'm not going to watch this after the last two games. This is fucking bullshit. Like, I just spent so much money going to Leaf game. And they're going to come out like this to Tampa? No way. But streaming services kind of suck. There's nothing really to watch. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to punish myself. I'll just throw the Leaf game back on after the intermission. Screw it. I am so glad that I did because the boys came out buzzing. My Lord, the last 40 minutes was an entirely different game. And Matthews, the biggest takeaway from that game, the thing that fired me up the most was after Matthews scored. And he went to the crowd and was giving them the old fire up signals. Let's go. That that is a leader. That is a leader. If Tavares didn't have the C, you give it to him right now. Because that is just, like you said, he's calm, cool, collected under the spotlight. And it's why Matthews is my favorite. 
but he also brings the emotion like you're talking about. And he put it on display because he said, fuck you, whatever was said during that intermission, I'm going to bring it. Are you guys going to bring it with me? And holy shit, they did. And besides Matthews, whatever they are making in Arizona in that water, it is working <laughs> because Matthew Knives is a stud and future superstar. Yeah. I don't know why. And, and kudos to Yarncroft because he actually played a great game and scored. So not taking anything away from him. But the frustration I have when Keith just throws some of these third, fourth liners up on the first line when he's doing line changes instead of trying to make like an all out first line. Very frustrating. To put Nyes up there this game and he produced the way he did three points, almost had four. I mean, he looked calm, collected, the spinorama pass, the finishing. That was an excellent last 40 minutes. And not even to mention how terrible Samsonov looks. My last point before letting you talk is this kid wall as of right now for me unless proven differently is the real deal i have wanted for years nothing more than us to have our own prospect goalies that turn out you know i've always hammered that home and this guy is working out because he came in he shut the door made some big saves and let the boys go to work offensively amen all right just in case you're curious if you include jake muzzin there's 12 players born in canada let's not include jake muzzin and I'm also giving a half point. There's actually 11 and a half Canadians on the team. Um, I'm giving Willie Nylander half Canadian points because he's technically born in Canada. And I'm giving Sweden half. Then five American players in the team. There is uh, four and a half Swedish players in the team. One Czech and one Russian on the roster right now. Very diverse. In case you're curious. <laughs> Five Americans. Wow, they're they're overtaking the Sweden that they they have that. Well, you know, I feel like last year they actually might have had more. I mean, Justin Hall, who was on the team for a long time, American. Um, anyways, man, since the Brian Burke era, we we've had um, a lot of Americans. So, yeah, that's very true. Like you have Kessel, you have Jason Blake. There's like a bunch of Americans that they have on the team. Um, anyways, moving on. Uh, I'm. How, how is this? I think, even though he's having a pretty decent season so far, I am okay if the team said, here's, what, here's, here's my dream scenario. I don't think it's a dream scenario. I think I'd be okay with this. Sorry, I'm stalling. If Brad Trillipin called up his own old team and said, listen, man, we, I really want two defensemen. Two guys that are going to be free agents this offseason. Zidonov? Zidayoff? Zidonov. And Tanev. And in return, I'm going to give you a first-rounder and number 16 on the team, number one in your programs, Mitch Marner. I think I'd be okay with the Mitch Marner trade right now. I know it sounds crazy. Not for those two guys. I think if, I think it'd be a little bit rich because Mitch Marner's got like another year in his contract. Bro, we could um, probably get Tanev off, great... off Calgary for a fucking draft pick. I would imagine so. I, I think both those guys you could probably get out of Calgary for a, a decent prospect and possibly a first rounder or maybe like two, a second or a third. Because those those guys, I can't imagine anybody wanting to resign in Calgary right now. Calgary is three years away from new new stadium, a new arena. And they are absolute shit right now. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't so think you have to give up. 
What? What? I, I was going to say, I was going to just put out like some dream trade scenarios, but yeah. I think I've come to the conclusion that I might be okay with saying goodbye to Mitch Marner. I know that there was some talk in the offseason that he'd be if they will be four by first, but with the general, because Mitch Marner has this and next, Tavares has this season and next, then both those guys are up. Oddly enough, so is Nick Jesus. So, like, there is, like, some... I believe, I honestly believe, Conrad David is going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf his next contract. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> I said that I, years I, ago. I he's he's going to be a Maple Leaf. I think, I think from day one, he wanted to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. The fact that since he's been in the league, the team has been pretty damn good, except for his rookie year. He, the team's been pretty damn good. And even though Edmonton has tried a bunch to get better... They are a fucking dumpster fire. Did they win last night? I don't even know. No, they fucking lost 6-2 to Vancouver. Oh, I mean... And not only that, Jack Campbell just got put on waivers a couple hours ago. I I heard, yeah. I mean... They are a fucking joke, that team. But, you know, because you heard it more than anyone else. I liked Jack Campbell when he was good, but I couldn't wait for him to be gone. I was not a Jack Campbell supporter. I appreciated his backup role. I appreciate him stepping into the number one and having that insane November, or was it two years ago, three years ago? But Jack Campbell is a fucking stack of cards. He's going to crumble at any given time. And you saw because he couldn't fucking catch a cold. This guy, no bueno. They gave him five, five and a half, was it five and a half over five or five for five? I think five for five. Man, what a fucking piece of shit. Edmonton, fuck you guys. I love you guys. I love Edmonton. They're my West Coast team, but fuck you guys. That was a dumb, dumb contract. No, nah, they're not my West Coast team anymore, man. I, you know what? Is there Has there been a bigger bag fumble related to the Maple Leafs in the last few years than Jack Campbell leaving here? Like, my Lord. Like, you had it set. Even though you were a little fucking crybaby, we had your back. We're like, oh, he's sensitive, man. Leave him alone. Like, yep. mental health is important. And it's hey, like, we built bro, him. Yeah, and just like you said, just wanted the money and like a stack of cards, he folded. So how did that work out for you? Just keep taking our fucking players off of us. Yeah, I mean Edmonton is a whole other. Actually, both Alberta teams, like Calgary's a dumpster fire. Edmonton has to do something. McDavid might have to play goalie at one point. Like I just don't understand this team, but I feel like they're kind of they try to do it, but they can't. I think what Edmonton needs to do is they need to. See if they can trade for Calgary's goaltender Markstrom, and at least get something going and get Markstrom out of Calgary because the Flames have like the it was uh, last year's AHL MVP uh, goal. I can't remember his name right now, but he's like the top goaltender in the AHL, just very similar to what Joseph Wall was two seasons ago. Bring this kid up. It's not like you can do any worse. You're already yeah that shit. Rodriguez kid or whatever. Is that what he? I, I don't yeah. know his name. But yeah. make the trade. Is uh, Edmonton's going to have the cap space? Markstrom is basically making what what uh, Campbell was making. I think Markstrom actually makes a touch more. I think he signed five two five. If I if I'm not mistaken, but if you're going to get decent or at least mediocre goaltending, it's better than what you had, which was no goaltending. So that at least you have a chance to win some games. I I don't know what they're going to do because putting Campbell down like only frees up i think it's like 1.2 million dollars in cap space for the oilers so maybe they can go after markstrom although i doubt that fucking happens i i don't know the other options for them honestly because they are a dumpster fire right now and you know what it's as good as they could be offensively 
with McDavid, Dreisaitl, Evander Kane when he's on, and Hyman. It, you, you just can't do anything with that goaltending and the defensive display that Edmonton's getting. You just cannot win. There's nothing you can do. Like McDavid, yeah, come to Toronto, buddy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking at uh, the Oilers cap friendly. Uh, they only have, they have 377,000 in cap space. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if even if they have. Uh, so, yeah, so Campbell updated. frees up like 1.1, 1.2. So they've got like 1.5 basically to work with. So they can't yeah, do they anything. Ju- yeah, they just place them on waivers, but isn't like 24 hours after it gets placed on waivers before it even reflects? Yeah, and not only that, the Rodrigue kid that you're talking about who's lighting it up in the AHL this year as well, I don't even think they're bringing him up. I honestly think of, they're bringing up Calvin Pickard. Oh my God! Former Toronto Maple Leaf. Yeah, Leaf yeah, legend. he's the guy that they're gonna call up. So oh, who knows? But I guess they want Woodcroft fired. I don't know. I, I you know, I, I guess they're looking for the NHL experience factor. I guess. Okay, let's move on. I mean, this is a Leaf edition. This isn't the Oilers edition. Although some people might say the Edmonton Oilers are the West Coast Toronto Maple Leafs. Not, not me. I don't say that. No, I wouldn't say that either. But whoever would say that? <laughs> <we can say. laughs> All right, let's talk about. The goalie woes in Toronto. Samsonov not looking great, my man. Um, what do you do with him right now? Do you, do you give him some time? It looked like he had regained some confidence after that Boston game, even taking the L. Uh, he comes back in, into the Tampa game and lays an egg. Uh, I get it that the game before in Buffalo, you, you know, you didn't have um, you didn't have Wall looking great, but again, young goaltender still getting accustomed to probably play more games. Where do you see this goalie controversy? How do you see it playing out? Well, what I really want to say is Lee fans buckle up because this is our goalie tandem for the year. So, so ride the ups and downs because they are coming with Samson, Samsonov at this point. He almost needs that two week NHL goalie break. Some of them get sometimes when they're just not, you know what I mean? Where it's like, Totally. They're just not they're just not gonna play. They're just working with the goalie coach alone, taking shots, working on their mental aspect, their movement across the crease, whatever. Just get that two, three week break, kind of refresh, come back because he played well uh last year. Yeah, there were some times where uh you know he exposes the net a little bit too much, which is a real problem this year with him. It seems like the net is completely empty and there's no one there when people are shooting. But he's also had some bright spots. He's still a good goaltender. I mean he Won us our first playoff series in a long-ass time. So we got to give him a bit of a leash. It's not as bad as Edmonton. Again, there's not an Edmonton podcast, but just comparables. We do not have the issues because Wall's an absolute stud. And in that vein, Wall can carry for us for a bit. And we have the goaltending depth for a solid backup. That's pretty good goaltending depth to have at our stage where we are in team because you're not always going to have superstars. But like you said, guys who can come in, Martin Jones, the few of the other uh, young guys at the Marlies and um, the Growlers, they're playing well. You bring them up with Wall. You see what you got. Usually the team's buzzing around November. You kind of keep the hot hand. Samsonov works on his game, the mental aspect. And when he feels confident, or basically when he has to go in after however long he's going to be allowed to be off, you bring him in and you see what you got. And hopefully his confidence is a bit higher and the team's buzzing and playing where he doesn't have to carry such a heavy load. And Samsonov, I, I honestly think going forward for the rest of the year, like Wall's the starter until proven differently. Like Wall is the guy. He, Keith, if, you, if you're the coach, when it comes to goaltending, 
the head coach doesn't really know much about the goaltender except for who can I rely on and who's ready to go. And Wall is that guy right now. So you ride that heavy hand, but I give Samsonov that little bit of break and, and try to bring his game back. Cause you, you just went to arbitration. You just signed him. Like this is, this is the cards we were dealt. Yeah. You got it. Unless there's some kind of deal out there where you're getting a goalie back. Uh, and it's gotta be a goalie better than Samsonov. Exactly. It, it shouldn't be a, an equal trade or less. Like it's gotta be for something better. So I, I was curious uh, because we talked so much shit about Edmonton's uh, goaltending, but Toronto's goaltending has led in 42 goals this year. Um, to put that in perspective, they've also scored 42 goals. So I don't know if that's uh, worth mentioning, but you look at a team like Tampa goalie woes as well, led in 42 goals as well. Now let's talk about some teams that are doing really good. Boston, 23 goals against Rangers, 24 goals against Vegas, 28 goals against. Uh, this is a huge difference. Dallas and uh, Colorado, 29 and 28, respectively. Then you might ask yourself, like, who's led in the most goals? Uh, that is a two-way tie. And just who you might expect. Edmonton, 47. That's a five-goal difference in the Leafs. And then, um, surprisingly, Minnesota at 47 as well. So those those two teams – oh, I'm sorry. San Jose with 55. They're the worst. Uh, yeah. Obviously, because they haven't won a game in 10, um, 11 games, sorry. Uh, those numbers really scare me. Now, I'm looking across Carolina, 42 as well. Um, there are a handful of Seattle, 42, Calgary's 41. Uh, there's a handful of teams in the same area as the Leafs. I don't think the Leafs' goaltending has been sub-average. Sub I think that it's early season woes they're dealing with like some shitty goals like the fucking buffalo game uh puck uh puck goes off a guy's shoulder and into the net like i think it's a little bit of that i'd be interested in another 10 games to see where the goaltending is in that respect um it just shocks me a little bit because the leafs haven't really been in any blowout games they they had the 4-1 loss to los angeles and the 6-4 loss to, uh, to buffalo Outside of that, that's really the, all the other games have been pretty respectable in their losses. So, kind of shocking me there a little bit. I think honestly, and the last thing we'll say about this, I think it has more to do with the defending than the goaltending for us. We're giving away too many chances and too many stupid pass back on the power play. Like so many shorthanded goals teams are scoring against us, and just dumb like giving ourselves a penalty. We're shooting it out or into the bench, extra man. We're just giving the puck away. Like, we are just not helping our goaltenders at all. So I get what you're saying. I don't think the goaltender's performance reflects the numbers and stats where we are. I think it's almost an indictment on the defense. Yeah, I think that's an interesting bit, too, because the defense, is, it's been real wacky. Like, I, we talked about this going into the season. Like, what kind of combination? You got Gio, Zio Gio, who honestly... I'm loving his game right now. He torpedoed himself into another player earlier in the season. Like, he's he's doing everything that you would want some of these other guys, especially younger guys, doing. Um, he He's definitely playing the guy saying, hey, fucks, this is my last fucking season. Please make it worth all these fucking bumps and bruises I'm getting. Um, Simone Benoit played last night. Didn't think he was bad. 
TJ Brody, I think, forgot how to skate in the offseason. I haven't watched yeah. a game yet where he's he look he is a great skater. Um he's I've, been off this year. He's, he's been, been off. off, right? I, I don't know if it's age catching up with him. Uh he what did this bring him to uh twenty, thirty he's thirty two, thirty three this year, you know. I still think he should have some good goodness in him. Uh Klingberg, I mean for all his warts, the PP one just looks so good. PP1. This guy, I, I get petrified when I see Morgan Riley on the power play. I just feel like he, he's just not scary on the PP. John Klingberg, I mean, granted, on that the um, piece of shit uh, empty netter against Buffalo, just fucking a, a limp wrist wrist shot from the point into traffic. What did you think was going to happen? You had Austin Matthews on the wing open against the boards open. But I don't mind John Klingberg. I think if you had John Klingberg on like a three or three and a half million dollar contract, um, I think I'd like John Klingberg a lot more. I know it's, he's only making like four and a half or whatever, but um, Lagesson we touched on, uh, Lilligren injured, McCabe should be back in the lineup any day now. I think they'll help quite a bit. And then Connor Timmins, I I miss Connor Timmins. I think it right now is a perfect spot for Connor Timmins to be playing. Lost injuries. I thought he did really good last year when he stepped in when uh, when uh, Morgan Riley was out. I kind of miss him a little bit. What can I say? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I actually, even though he did not play well at the start of the season, all of that, I can't wait for McCabe to come back. Like I, I just like that guy's game. There are some defensive laps, definitely, with him. But he he is a heart and soul guy and will throw some big hits. And I just like, I just, he reminds me of Brian, even though they're not related. But I just like... Jake McCabe, and yeah, Legacy Leg- Leg- definitely. I I disagree with you on the Klingberg aspect. He fucking frustrates me, man. I I was actually relieved to see Riley back on the power play last night. Honest to God, because Klingberg, there the shot and some of the moves on the line, very good. But holy hell, does he have a lot of Jake Gardner in him with the like lackadaisical skating, kind of the just like. Bro, what are you thinking? Like, why did you put the puck in that area? What What were you doing with the pressure on you? Like, it's just very frustrating. But you and, know what? You, what? Here's here's and we can just we can just briefly talk. But I know we want to wrap. But Morgan Riley, I always feel is when that pressure is applied, he fucking cracks. I feel like Klingberg has nerves of steel, where he's like, "Come get it," and he maybe. I, fine. Maybe he's right, but. I don't. I just think that he has, he has a certain element that maybe Morgan Riley doesn't. And I like him on the PP. I think he's he's a good addition to it. And I think the more he gets his groove, the the better the better it will be. Um, and I think you know I I don't think there's one guy better than the other um, long term. But what I would like to see is a couple of different looks throughout the season on both those guys playing PP one. And I like the fact that they're they're adding PP2 into it a little bit more. I like seeing Domi on PP2. I want to see Matt Nyes a little bit more on PP2. Like, I, I think for all the worries we have about no secondary scoring, I'm okay with those two top lines being top lines and those bottom two lines, one being your shutdown line, the other one being like the havoc wreaking one. One thing we haven't touched on that I need to, we need to talk about, I know we're, we're talking about D, but can we please fucking talk about Reeves? I know we'll end on Reeves because I feel like this is going to be a hot one. Is it too late to give up on Ryan Reeves? Like, he's just fucking useless. 
Like it, I, I, what mm-hmm. has come on now? This guy, when he's on the ice, here's what I want to see. I want to see one power play in a game where the Leafs are up seven to nothing or seven to one, and I want Ryan Reeves on PP one, and I want him in front of the net, just pushing defensemen out of the way, and I want to see what can be done in hopes that he does something crazy and that's a goal. Outside of that, Ryan Reeves, I am lost where you belong on this team. I am lost with the understanding of why you're on the team. Like, I get it. You're there for the physical aspect, but you haven't done any of that. You barely threw a body check in the last game. Outside of the first game where, you know, you kind of had a little bit of a fight, there's no value, in my opinion, on Ryan Reeves. But where are you on Revo? First, agree with everything you want to see. That, yes, 100% is what I want to see. I want to see his big ass, that body in front of the net, causing havoc, doing the Esposito, trying to clean up every garbage he can, getting his stick in the goaltender. When the whistle goes, people are pushing him, saying, don't put your stick in the goaltender. And he's saying, try me. Like, that's exactly what we want from him. And he is not providing that. Not even a little. However, and here's where you and most Leaf fans I know and probably Leaf fans listening to this disagree and you can say I'm a fucking idiot because I am giving him way more of a leash. I'm I'm okay with Reeves right now. Like, it's a... I, I don't think he's going to be here the entire three years, but it's a long-term contract for a fourth-line fighter. And it wasn't just to come in for a couple of games. The thing with Revo, if he could keep playing like this, and then we start winning a couple of games, and in the middle of November, December, he fires off like three, four fights in a row in games, including like a big knockout and maybe one that turns the tide. And everything changes. The entire conversation changes about Revo and guys like Ty Domi, Wade Belak, who I love, like guys like that who fuck up. You're like, dude, he's a fighter. He's a meathead. Who, who, he, he's gonna fuck up. He throws punches and gets punched for a living he's a fucking meathead so that's how i view reeds i think he's a yes he he is not living up to that contract right now there is no disagreement but i see the outrage online especially in the analytical world that he brings absolutely nothing they're scoring so much when he's on the ice i i just want to see him punch someone in the face that's i just want his face his fist to go through someone's face. That's yeah, that's well, it. He, but he needs to do that. that that's I agree. I, that's what I said, and, and I agree. And I, and I said that earlier at the beginning of the pod. After that first fight, again, might go back to the culture thing. It seems like he's been put on a leash and been like, ah, uh, uh, like, bro, don't go crazy this year. We don't want you fighting every year. We want you more skill based. It's like that's not him. No. Remember when when Ty Domi became like not the fighter and just the guy who was really quick. He, he exactly like, you know, last couple of years, he was the highest scoring of his career where he had like 11 and like 18 goals or something. But I, what I'm looking from Revo is at least one big hit in the game. At yes. least one. It's like, I understand you're only playing five minutes a, ga- a game. And honestly, that's gotta be super frustrating, but you got, you got to fucking do something. This guy looks so bad on skates. I I'm just like, I'm just having a hard time understanding why are we playing this guy every game when we need the fourth line to do something? Because the third line is kind of a mess. The second line, first and second line are, are pretty much, I, okay, I don't know how to say this. First and second line, I think, are going to be what they look like. I think you have top line, Matthews, Marner, Knives. Second line, you have Tavares, Nylander, and Bertuzzi. Third line 
is kind of maybe like Domi, Jaron Crook, player, other player. Fourth line has to be Camp, um, uh, shoot Gregor and Reeves. That has yeah. to be a shutdown or energy or something line that does something. But I, I don't see much change in the top two lines. So lines three and four have to give me something. So I need, like, I'm I agree. They, that fourth line, no, man. I, you know what? On that point, I completely agree with you. Those three guys, Gregor's speed, Kampf on the draw, and Reeves' physicality, that is 100% an energy fourth line. I completely agree with you on that. That is what they should be bringing. And to a point you just said two minutes ago, Reeves should be a leader on this team in hits with what we're paying him. Yeah, bare minimum one big hit per game, but multiple hits per game. And that and, and we're, we're ending the episode, but just Domi and Bertuzzi should be in the same vein. Those three guys we brought in, they should be hit leaders on this team. And we'll look up the stats maybe for next episode and we'll compare that. But yeah, yeah and I, definitely way more from them. I, and I, I don't want to make this episode about these guys, but I think Domi is turning the corner. I, I've really liked his last two or three games. Um, Bertuzzi's still looking like pretty lost to me. But yeah. I don't know. I think this guy is enough. Like, I, I can't figure out who he reminds me of when I see him on the bench. But I know this guy has a big game in him. And I know it's yes. there. And even if we fucking carry this guy to the playoffs, in the playoffs, he wakes up. I'm almost okay with that. Because this is a one-year deal. If he walks, he walks. No skin off my back. So, but I, I didn't want to make the whole thing like a Bertuzzi beat up. But I, I know this guy has a game in him. I'm just waiting to see it. That's all. Completely agree, and and I could be wrong, but I think it's going to come sooner than the playoffs. Like this guy, and hopefully really soon, but he's going to have a game. I completely agree with you. He's going to pop off and get like a random Hattie or like three, four points, massive hits, and just like he took over the game. Yeah, I see it. All right, but let's end this edition of Leaf Edition. Uh, also, I got to put it out there. I think that you and the guys from Mustard had maybe your most sensational episode. Oh. Um, I thought it was really, really good. Um, so good job on that. And check that out if you haven't already. Uh, compliment. One of my staff members said to me, oh, I checked out your podcast. My boyfriend really liked the Mustard guys. I'm like, okay, well, I'll let them know. Oh, that's, that's the best. Here. That's, so. that's our exact audience, the boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, it was just last week on Show Us Your TDs, the football show we have with Melk and Gooby. Those guys are killing it. Um, so I was on that. Check that out and then check out this week. And then El Jefe, let's get together, like you said, in a week or two. Let's definitely do a, a sooner episode because there's a lot to talk about with this team. Yeah, we might have to do a good bad in Toronto, actually, because the Blue oh, we Jays... We haven't had one of those in a while. Yeah, the Blue Jays have done some stuff. So uh, I think that's kind of interesting. And maybe by the time we record, all that stuff will be panned out. All right, Bob, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for this random Monday um you know Bob, we haven't said it yet this season but they hate us because they ain't us because they ain't us that's right go right. leaves go go leaves go right <laughs>